Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. How are you guys doing? Good to see you. I'm just going to lower this a little bit. For those who are visiting for the first time, welcome to Life in the Sun. We're glad that you're here. I'm Pastor Mark, and uh, welcome to week two in our series entitled Unwavering. Unwavering is a seven-week series about the life and journey of Abraham. In this series, we'll come to appreciate uh, the faith journey of Abraham, and I trust also be encouraged to live by faith. Abraham's journey, if you know the story, uh, wasn't perfect. Uh, He made lots of mistakes, sometimes big mistakes. And uh, the reason that Paul described his faith as unwavering in the book of Romans isn't because Abraham's life was perfect. He described his faith as unwavering because over time, he grew stronger in his faith to trust God with the big decisions as well as the little everyday decisions. Over time, he grew stronger in trusting that God would accomplish what he had promised. Last week, Lawrence, thank you, Lawrence, he talked about faith and our relationship with God. Yeah, give him a hand. Today, we'll talk about faith and the Word of God. Next week will be faith and purpose, and then faith and covenant, waiting, That's a big one, faith and waiting. I'm looking forward to, I think Armin's going to be speaking on that. Um, And then week six, faith and circumstances and faith and testing. Waiting, circumstances, testing, these are all real life issues that I trust will find encouragement through God's word as we look at the life of Abraham. Unwavering is a series to help us develop unwavering faith. Sound good? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're with us, that you're for us. Lord, by your word, may we learn to trust you. Trust is the best state of any any relationship. Lord, it's the best feeling in any relationship. And I pray that you would enable us, by your grace, to grow in our trust, to grow in our faith as we go through this journey of life, this gift that you've given us. Thank you for the gift of life. Lord, may we honor you and pass each test, each step of the way. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Faith is the same thing as trust. And trust really depends on who we're talking about right? Uh, We don't trust people who steal. We don't trust people who lie. We don't trust people who say they're going to do something and then they don't. But on the other hand, we do trust people that we've known for a long period of time and they have proven themselves to be trustworthy. Trust really depends on who we're talking about. In every relationship, it's an important question. In fact, sometimes it's the very first question. If somebody were to knock on the door of your house, you might peek out the window, maybe look through the little peephole. If you've got a security screen door, maybe go ahead and open the door, see who it is. 
But the first thing you do is you assess whether or not the situation is safe. Can I trust you? We may not say it, but we think it. And if you think about it, we think and we ask the same question in our relationship with God. Especially in the difficult times of life, the question that goes on, again, we may not say it, but it, the thought may cross our mind, God, can I trust you? Do I trust you? And that's especially true when you're first beginning to experience God. Because it's like meeting a new person. You don't really know him. Not yet. When I was just beginning to experience God, I once had a three-day layover in New York. I was on my way to a missions trip in New Jersey. There was a change in my itinerary, and I ended up having an extra three days in New York. And back then, I was kind of young and cocky, and in terms of accommodations, I just decided I was going to wing it. I thought, you know what? Something will just work itself out. And so I landed, and I decided I was going to go sightseeing. I went to the Empire State Building. I went to Greenwich Village, which is a, a, a cultural icon. And um, by the end of the day, I didn't have a place to stay. And it was getting late, and uh, it was dark, and it started to rain. And throughout that day, I felt like God was kind of prompting me in my heart. It was just kind of a knowing. Like he was saying, why don't you seek me about your situation? And like I said, back then I was kind of young and cocky. And my attitude, I didn't really say it out loud, but it was just an attitude that I had. The attitude in my heart was, it's okay, I don't need any help. I got this. You know, it reminded me of my kids when they were little. They'd be like three or four years old, and I'd be trying to help them with something. And they're like, Dad, I can do it myself, Dad. I'm like, okay. Okay, you got this? You, you think you can do this? Okay, okay go ahead. <laughs> and so I kind of feel like this thing was going on with me and God like that. And now it was late at night. It started to rain. I went into this all-night restaurant to get out of the weather. And that, that prompting came back to me again. And I was like, well, okay, I guess it's time. I think I'm going to seek the Lord about my situation. So I sat down at a table. I opened my Bible. And it just so happened to open to Matthew chapter 6, and I read this verse. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, in the context of what was going on in my heart and mind throughout the day, and my situation, I felt like this verse was like in my face. <laughs> I just felt challenged by God, and I just decided to kind of challenge him. Uh, in my immaturity, I snapped my Bible shut, and I said, okay, God, okay, I hear you. Let's see what you can do. And I kid you not, in about 10 minutes, a man walked up to my table. He pointed at my Bible, and he goes, aha, the Koran. And I looked up, and I was like, no. And then he just laughed, and he went over to the deli to get his food, and I'm looking at him going, strange. Oh, well, so I'm reading my Bible. And about a couple minutes later, out of my peripheral vision, I see he sits at my table right in front of me. And I look up like, yes, can I help you? And he's like, go on, read. I'm like, okay, you want to hear the word of God? <laughs> I'm not really sure where he's coming from, but I decide I'm going to read. And so I get two sentences in, and he goes, man, isn't that beautiful? And all of a sudden, I realize, oh, he's like friendly 
toward God and the Bible and this whole thing. And so we get to talking, and he says, so where are you staying? And I said, well, I just flew into New York this morning. I'm on my way down to New Jersey, and to be honest, I don't have a place to stay. And he said, well, if you want, you can stay at my place. Long story short, at the end of three days, he gave me $80, and I never saw him again. The reason I share that story is to say this. Through that experience, through that encounter with God's word, I began to learn that I could trust God's word. In every season, there will be new circumstances that you and I face where we are trying to figure out how to do life. It might be about finances. It might be about relationships, maybe our health maybe some difficulty, some trial that we're going through. In every situation, there's going to be this new thing that we're dealing with. And if, we're, if we're, we could be like my kids, it's okay, God, I got this, I can handle it. If we're not aware of God's love and who he is, if we're not aware of our limitations, we can have that attitude. You know, I remember when my kids were little, about seven, eight years old or so, my girls came up to me one night. They said, Dad, we're going to stay up all night. I said, okay, go ahead. You can imagine what happened. They didn't make it. They were not aware of their limitations and what it would take to be able to do that. The adult version would be Peter. He said, Lord, no matter what, I'm going to follow you. And Jesus said, are you? Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Life, the truth is, life would be a whole lot easier if we would learn to trust God, trust his word, trust what he says, to trust his promises. That's our topic today, faith and the word of God. It's all about trusting what God says. Today we'll see a snapshot from the life of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. So here in the Bible, we read that God spoke to Abraham. But the Bible doesn't say how he spoke to him. We don't know if God spoke to Abraham in a dream. We don't know if it was an audible voice. We don't know if it was like Moses and the burning bush. Uh, we don't know if it was just a knowing that Abraham had in his heart. The important thing really isn't how God spoke. The important thing is the fact that God spoke. Since the beginning of time, God has been speaking to his people. The real question is, when I sense God is trying to get my attention, how do I respond? We're going to take a look at Abraham's response. Here's a map showing maybe kind of one aspect 
of Abraham's response. This is the Middle East. It's a little small, but on the right you'll see some yellow dots. And he lived in southeastern Iraq as a child. His father's name was Terah. And at some point, his dad took him and Lot, and they began to follow the Euphrates River going northwest. They went all the way up into northern Syria to a place called Haran. Interesting, Haran is the name of Abraham's brother who died when he was younger. <coughs> and while he was living up there by the big yellow dot in Haran, at one point, the Lord spoke to Abraham, and he said, leave your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. And so then we have the red dots going down into the land of Canaan. Because Abraham believed God, Abraham had positioned himself, had, had postured himself in a way that he was able to experience the promises of God. And there were four promises that God gave to Abraham. The first promise, he said, I will make you into a great nation. Now, if you recall the story, that's an amazing statement all by itself because at the time God made that promise, Abraham had no children. And if you recall the story, his wife Sarah didn't have Isaac until she was 99 years old. She had already been past the age of childbearing. And yet Abraham, through that impossible circumstance, continued to trust and believe that God would fulfill what he had promised. And then, as you know, Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. And then God saved Jacob and his whole family from a seven-year famine in the region. And through Joseph, who was in Egypt and now the number two man, brought the whole family down into Egypt. There they grew to three million people. The Lord eventually delivered them. They eventually went into the land of Canaan that God had promised them. And then there were the golden years of the reign of Solomon where they had peace and prosperity. But because of sin, the nation of Israel was eventually conquered. And eventually they were divided and dispersed all over the world. And they were in that condition for about 2,000 years. And then the most amazing thing happened. This has never happened before in history for a people group that had been conquered and dispersed Israel came back as a geopolitical nation in 1948. And today, Israel is an economic and military power in the Middle East. The Lord said, I will make you into a great nation against, and you know some of the horror stories about what happened to the Jews, against all impossibilities, against all odds, God has accomplished what he said. The second promise that God gave to Abraham. He said, I will bless you. I mean, there's a hundred different ways that you could slice this to describe God's blessing on the nation of Israel. I'll share just one. No, the Nobel Prize is given to individuals for academic, cultural, or scientific advances. As of last year, Nobel Prizes have been awarded to 892 people. Out of the 892, 201 have been given to Jewish people. The interesting thing about that number is that the Jewish population is less than 0.2% of the world's population. What that means is the ratio of Jewish Nobel Prizes is 100 times higher 
than any other people group. The Lord said, I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. Here's the good news. God has also blessed you. Through his presence, if you have received Christ, God has blessed you by his presence, by the Holy Spirit. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And now, as a result of God's presence and God's favor, you are able to be a blessing to others a hundred times more than you could have ever done before you had God's presence and God's favor in your life. A third promise that God made, he said, I will make you famous. Did you know Abraham is considered the father of three of the world's major religions? The story of Abraham has been well known throughout history, throughout the world. God said, I will make you famous. And then the fourth one, he said, you will be a blessing to others. Earlier I mentioned the Nobel Prizes. Through the people of Israel, there have been all kinds of developments, all kinds of inventions, all kinds of advances in the area of medicine, in science, agriculturally. God said, I will bless you and you will be a blessing to others. The reason I'm highlighting all of these is to help us see that the promises that God said to Abraham have come true. And he's not done. There's more to come. All of this is a way of saying to you, God does what he says. God told Abraham to leave his father's house, a place of comfort, a place of prosperity, and that God would bless him. You know, um, Abraham was invited to trust God with his future. He was invited to trust God for protection. And Abraham did that. Abraham listened. Abraham followed God's instructions. Abraham took God's word to heart. Here's the lesson from the life of Abraham. Faith involves obedience to God's word. Faith involves obedience to God's word. And obedience has two parts. Obedience involves two things, leaving and receiving. Leaving the old, leaving the old and receiving the new. What is God asking you to leave and receive? Here are some common examples. Some, one, the first example is an internal kind of example. The, the rest are external kinds of change. And this first one has to do with priorities. Um, this first example has to do with the priorities of those who are married. Now, if you're single, um, keep this in mind. It may come in handy <laughs> in the future. So whether you're single or married, turn to your neighbor and say, this one might be for you. God's design for marriage involves a process of leaving and cleaving. These are steps to oneness. That's the purpose of marriage is becoming one. If you're not familiar with the teaching, here's a quick explanation. In order to become one with your spouse, it requires that you let go of mom and dad as a higher priority than your relationship. I want to be very clear and make a fine line distinction. We're not talking about no relationship, just a shift in priority. It's a fine line distinction. We are still to honor our mom and dad. 
but in terms of priority, your spouse becomes a higher priority. Now, that's a tough one, especially when there are emotional connections with mom and dad, especially when it goes against your culture, if it does. That's a tough one. Culture is a system of values. And as Christians, we need to compare our values to the Word of God. And God reveals His blueprint for marriage in Genesis. He said, A man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one. That's the whole goal of marriage, is becoming one. That's an example of leaving the old and receiving the new. And like Abraham, if you will leave the old and receive the new, you will be blessed. It won't be easy, but you will be blessed. It wasn't easy for Abraham to leave and receive. It wasn't easy for Abraham to leave his home. It wasn't easy to leave comfort and familiarity. It wasn't easy to go find a new home, especially in those days. I mean, after the journey was over, you saw that map of the red part. That's a journey of about 300 miles before he got to his final destination. It wasn't easy to do that. Here are some other examples of external change. For some people, maybe the Lord speaks to them about a change in their circumstance, maybe a change in your job. Maybe the Lord might be speaking to some about a change in a relationship. He could be speaking to us about living somewhere else. Terry was talking about that earlier. You know, if, if it's a desire in your heart, God can open the door. Nothing is impossible for, for him to help you accomplish the assignment that he's given you. That's what Henson Lim is going to be talking about on Friday and Saturday. I pray that our faith will grow and our vision will grow to be able to embrace the assignments that God has for us. Because I tell you, when God speaks to you and gives you an assignment, it's not something you can do. If it's something you can do, it's probably not from God. And so I just want to encourage you to learn to trust God and what he says. He may be leading us to spend our time differently, maybe to spend our money differently. These are all examples of external change. And change is hard. It is. Because anytime we go through change, there's a concern that we're going to lose something of value. We're, we're afraid that we're going we're gonna to lose something in the process. But I want to encourage you that when God is leading, he never takes away anything that he won't replace with something better. He never takes away anything that he won't replace with something better. Change is hard because we're afraid we won't be able to adapt to the new circumstance. But I, and, and that's okay. That's normal. We, we all fear the unknown. But I want to encourage you again, when, when God guides, when God's leading, he's not going to lead you into a situation where he's not going to provide for you. Where God guides, God provides. His plans are not to harm you. His plans are to give you a future and a hope. I would summarize the message from Abraham like this. Faith involves obedience. And obedience requires two things, leaving and receiving, leaving the old and receiving the new. When God speaks to your heart, I encourage you to trust and obey by leaving the old and receiving the new. I'll close with this 
from the Apostle Paul. He said in Philippians chapter 3, he said, Dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let's pray. Our Father, in one way we are excited about the opportunity of hope and a new future. On the other hand, it's a little scary to leave the familiar, to venture into the unknown. Lord, I'm reminded of that painting of a ship on the sea, that in order to venture out and experience new horizons, we need to leave the safety of the shore. And I pray, God, that you would give us assurance, comfort, and peace when we venture out, and that you would enlarge our hearts to trust, to trust you as you guide, as you lead. Lord, help us to know what that is. I ask that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, to be able to perceive what it is that you are doing in and through us. And right now, I'd like to ask you while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, just to take a moment to interact with God. And if you would, just ask the Lord, God, what is it that you're saying to me? What is it that you're showing me? And so if you would, take some time just to turn your attention toward God. I want to take a few moments to listen. And if you sense that God is revealing something to you, I want to encourage you to respond. If you're ready, respond like Abraham. And just say to God, yes, Lord. I want to give you a minute to take some time to do some business with God. about and your eyes are closed, I'd like to address another group in the audience here this morning. There may be some of you who you're hearing me talk about a relationship with God, and recently you've sensed that God's trying to get your attention, and you're here because you're responding to however he's prompting you in your life. And if you've never taken the initiative to actually formally start a relationship with God by making a decision and saying, yes, God, I would like to experience you. 
If you haven't made a conscious choice to say, God, I want to open my life to you and I would like to experience you, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And so what I'll do is I'll pray out loud and you can just follow along. God will hear you. God, I've been sensing that you're trying to get my attention. And so today I'm here. And I'm choosing, I'm making a decision to say yes. I want to open up to you. I want to open my life to you. I want to experience you. And so I invite you to come into my life. Lord, I invite your spirit to come into mine. I want to know you. I ask that you would show yourself to me. Lord, I know there are things that I've done that are not right. And I ask you to forgive me. I thank you for Jesus, what he did for me on the cross. And I receive his forgiveness. And I receive your spirit of forgiveness. If you're praying this prayer right now, I just want to invite you by faith to let the Spirit of God come into your life and receive Him now. He's been waiting for this moment to have a personal relationship with you. Just say yes, let Him come in. Just thank Him for His presence. Lord, I thank You for what You're doing for Your sons and daughters here this morning. God, I thank You for coming into my life. I thank You for forgiving me. And I ask that you would give me a new start, a fresh start. Show me how to do life your way according to your word. I ask that you would make me the kind of person you want me to be. And I pray all this in Jesus' name.